Hi, everyone, and welcome uh, to the Summer of Wisdom podcast series here at Orchards Church. My name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, Rick Vogt, part of the DMJ duo. Hey, yes, we're doing that now. I forgot. <laughs> That's great. If you missed last week, we're, we, our license plate both have the letters DMJ on it. So if Rick ever decides to write a book about our not so marvelous escapades, our pretty, <laughs> our pretty you know, normal escapades, mundane might be a good word, uh, then you could call it the DMJ duos, the DMJ duo book. And I, I, I would buy a copy. I'd leave you a good review on Amazon. Sounds good. And we're still looking for a great uh, three word, uh, three words represented by the acronym DMJ. Mm. Yep. So yeah, here's, a, here's a clue. Whenever you have the letter J and you're at church, it's always Jesus. So maybe that's the third letter. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a great one. Or justice. That's another popular J word. That could work. Yeah. Or yeah. jelly beans. Less popular. Less, less popular. <laughs> Actually, okay. uh, my, my family just went to the jelly bean factory in California and came back with many, many uh, Jelly Belly products. Um, and this is not an ad for Jelly Belly, but if they want to sponsor us, they're more than welcome to. Nice um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we dive in, so we're, I think this is our fourth podcast now. The first we did an introduction to wisdom literature. And then our last two were um, going over the book of Proverbs. And now this is our fourth one. And it's kind of our beginning and part one to covering Ecclesiastes. But before we dive into Ecclesiastes, Rick, uh, last week, you mentioned you want to do a little bit of research about something that you saw in The Chosen, where they would read Proverbs 31 to kick off the Sabbath. Did you discover anything in that regard? Well, when you say a little bit of research, that's a good characterization. I did a little bit of research. <laughs> what I can say confidently so far is that they are representing a reality that Proverbs 31 was often quoted by the father of the house, the husband of the house, to kick off Shabbat. And uh, in, in the one article that I was reading, it just talked about the uh, wanting to display to the children the love and honor between the mother and the father in the home. Uh, as a high oh, value to be beautiful. remembered during the day of Shabbat. Beautiful. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for doing research on that. That's really cool. Um, so uh, Ecclesiastes, everyone's favorite book of the Bible. This, I mean, this is one we, I think we teach in children's church every other week. It's so popular. Um, we love it. Rick, do you remember what your first experience of Ecclesiastes was? uh avoidance <laughs> seriously well it just yeah you know being a person of uh uh what should i say one who's not into conflict and doesn't enjoy criticism uh it seemed like like the book of a skeptic or a bitter person perhaps wow yeah i mean and i think that was actually kind of your characterization of it on our very first week. Cause I remember you kind of personified all three books and I think your personification, if I'm remembering correctly of Ecclesiastes was like your father's brother, your uncle, whose life probably just didn't go as well or didn't go the way he envisioned it going or something along those lines. And yeah. And, and I have to clarify, I think that that, that is just a cursory overview, but if you read it carefully, 
and especially with some life experience behind you, you, you kind of have to resonate at least in part with it. You realize there, there isn't actually bitterness. There's just a huge, like it's the ultimate realists book. And there's, there's so much realism, but it's not necessarily jaded emotionally. It's mm. actually, it's wise, but just the wisdom of a person who has lived a broken life or observed the brokenness in life and actually has a right to say what they say. Mm. That's cool. Well, and I think as we dive into the book, I think your perspective you just shared is going to become more and more um, real to us who are listening. So uh, the book kicks off. This is Ecclesiastes 1.1, and I'm reading in the ESV. Uh, Rick, actually, how about this? I will read verses 1 through 2 in ESV, and would you just follow by reading verses 1 through 2 in NIV? Sure. I'm just, I'm just curious to see the, the uh, comparison between the two. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Hmm. And the NIV similar uh, reads this way. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Wow. That's, that's okay. So this is actually really fun that the NIV and the ESV both use different words for the two words I wanted to talk about as we're kicking this off. Right. Um, and, and I, yep. And I think actually that's if, as you're doing Bible study, uh, you can look up, there's tools like blue letter Bible, um, uh, dot com where you can have multiple translations up at the same time. Um, and you, if, if you're ever like curious and you want to like dig out some extra nuggets from the Bible is look at words that are translated differently by different translations and just dig in and say, what does that word mean? And normally what will happen is you'll discover it's kind of a complex word that's hard to translate. And so different people will translate it different ways. But as you're studying that word, you kind of gain a, perhaps a better idea of what the passage is saying more than the translators could communicate in just a single word. Mm, um, good advice. Good advice. Yeah. So let's tackle the first one. So ESV says preacher. And what did NIV say? Teacher. Yeah. And the word uh, here in Hebrew is this word koholet or koholeth, uh, depending on uh, how you want to say it. And it's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's a, it's a weird word because it, it literally means one who gathers people. So it's like one who, who, who makes an assembly happen, but then he says a lot. And so you think he's a teacher or he's a preacher or he's somebody who's trying to communicate something to a group of people. Um, and, and I think that's interesting because uh, if you look right here in verse one, it says the words of the preacher, or I'll just call him the teacher because I think that's better than the preacher. Um, the words of the teacher, comma, son of David, comma, king in Jerusalem, and then he starts saying things that the preacher says. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. And then he just kind of keeps going with things that the preacher says. But then you hit verse 12, and it says, I, the teacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my heart. And it turns to the first person perspective. So 
the take on chapter one of Ecclesiastes is that there's two voices in the book. The first voice is that of the author of the book of Ecclesiastes. And the second voice of, is of this speaker, Koholet, um, the, the teacher, the Koholet being the word and teacher being what we call it. Um, and so if Koholet doesn't actually start speaking in the first person until verse 12, that means that as the author is quoting him all the way through verse 11, it kind of acts as an introduction uh, on the perspective of the book as a whole. And, and it kind of covers, I mean, right off the gate, it's vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Everything is vanity. Um, and, and, and you kind of start diving in, you go, what is this book about? This is such a weird book in the Bible to read. I remember I was going through a real like, like angsty middle school moment. It was, I think the first time I read this book and I got to meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And I was like, this book gets me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. And I can think of so much music of that age for each one of us. That is that kind of music we resonated with just, that, Oh <clears throat> yeah. That skeptical. Yeah. Oh, I just, I wish I could like play clips of like deeply emo punk songs that are just like, no, 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 you know, it's just like <laughs> crying out for, for that. And that was, that was my first experience. And so I genuinely have really loved Ecclesiastes for a long time. Um, but I think, I think it's helpful to talk about this word, the second word that's translated differently in my translation versus your translation. So ESV says vanity and NIV, what did it say again? Meaningless. Meaningless. Now, if we take the words vanity and meaningless, what comes to mind for each of those words for you, Rick? Hmm. I guess I realized that the word vanity, we often use in another way than the more classical way that it's meant to be used. Oh, say more uh, about that. Well, if you think of, for instance, well, yeah, vanity, the first thing I think of is you're so vain. And so it's about arrogance. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the more core meaning of the word is emptiness. Uh, yeah, empty. it's just empty, emptiness. This is a vain attempt. Why are we even doing this? This is a vain attempt. Not meaning that it's an arrogant attempt, but that it's an empty intent. Mm -hmm. So you have to go back to the classical definition of the word vanity to get yeah. it right. That's yeah. actually interesting that the word vain, meaning arrogant, is talking about what an empty pursuit arrogance is and thinking highly of oneself. That's mm -hmm. actually, that's really cool etymology that has, you know, tangential relation to what we're talking about, <laughs> exactly. but it's a podcast. So <laughs> we'll roll with it. Um, I, I, so I actually, in this instance, it's interesting because I liked the, I like the translation of Koholet better in the NIV. I like the word teacher better than preacher. I think preacher has a lot of baggage with it in our context. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think a whole lot was a preacher in a traditional sense um, that you and I would think of like a Baptist preacher, right? Yeah. Well, in the NIV actually has a footnote where it says exactly what you said. By this word, we would mean the leader of the assembly. So it doesn't mm -hmm. even refer so much to his role in his oration, but his role within the community to bring the people together. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when it says son of David, king in Jerusalem, uh, there. I mean, there are so many different takes on who this author is. Um, some people think it's Solomon, which I, I think honestly would be my take. It seems like very Solomonic. Now there, there's reasons to think it might not be Solomon and that's fine. Um, 
but the son of David could mean a descendant of David. It doesn't have to be one of his direct sons, just like, you know, Jesus is a son of David. Um, right. And so, but we do know he was king in Jerusalem. So it, the, the options aren't many of who it could be, but regardless, I think it's, I mean, I think obviously it's still God's inspired word, but I like to think of it as Solomon um, kind of at the end of himself in some ways. But again, this is an author recording what Koholet or what the teacher is saying, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's not like the teacher sat down and wrote this book. Someone else sat down and recorded what this teacher was saying. So anyways, back to what, back to what I was saying, I like the NIV's translation of Koholet better, but I actually like the ESV's translation of Hevel better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Hevel is this word that it means vapor or it means breath. And, and, and the, the thrust behind the idea of the word is that it's hard, to, like a vapor is hard to grasp. It's hard to pin down. It's, 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 it's brief. Um, I don't often think of vapor and think that's meaningless, but when you think of something that has such a short duration, like a bird, like a spritz of water, you know, yeah. you think, yeah, it doesn't have a lot of, it doesn't have a lot of impact and therefore might be meaningless, but the word meaningless has such a, uh, such a different connotation, I think, than the wholeness of what the word hevel is. I think meaningless is a good or it is a possible translation of Hevel, but I think it's a kind of poor choice when you have words like vanity. Um, yeah, I would agree. I don't think it carries the mystery or the imagery with it. Uh, vanity does carry the mystery and the symbolism, whereas meaningless is just a very uh, academic like that's an accurate definition, but not an artistic definition that gives you the fullness that the author had in mind. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So again, and this is why, by the way, Rick and I will often teach from different translations and we'll share from different translations is because I think lots of translations are helpful for understanding what the original text was getting at. And translation is not an easy job. Um, Sometimes there's complex words with complex meanings that's hard to translate in a way that conveys the same idea when we just don't have equivalent words um, in English. So, yeah, so, okay. So I feel already better about myself than say middle school Daniel did when he's like, everything is meaningless, you know, like nothing matters. <laughs> yes, woe uh, is me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I, I think I think what's interesting here is this word hevel, I mean, this is a main point for the teacher. It's a, it's a huge point for the teacher. In fact, he uses this word hevel 38 times in the book. And it's, it's, it's vapor, it's smoke. And I think one of the things that, one of the, one of the things that's helpful for me. So if I, if I've got maybe like four words that really kind of capture it, if you hold them all together for hevel would be temporary, fleeting, Enigma, paradox. Hmm. Uh, just, just how it, it's it's life is hard to grasp, and this is where we hold the wisdom books of wisdom literature up together and we read them together. Where Proverbs is like, if you feel the fear of the Lord, you'll live a long life, and you go, well, okay. What about my friend so and so, or what about you know this happened and this happened, and they did not live a long life, and they clearly feared the Lord. And, and, and that's what Ecclesiastes says is life is, 
it's hard to grasp even like beauty and goodness and justice and like how do you hang on to it and it doesn't always work the way you think it's going to work and how are we going to how are we going to handle it you know and uh yeah I, I just think that there is uh the teacher is going through all of these things um and, and talking about how how hevel they are how how everything on this earth can feel like hevel i mean what do you verse three says what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun a generation goes and a generation comes but the earth remains forever hmm. so rick can i ask you a question sure uh what's your dad's name my dad's name is gary do you what's his dad's name arnold what's arnold's dad's name good question i want to say frank but i may be wrong and then would you know frank's dad's name not without looking it up yeah i i i genuinely i can't name my grandpa's dad Hmm. i know stories about him my dad even just said his name last time he was here Jack, I think it might be Jack, but I cannot tell you Jack's father's name. Yeah. Wow. Two, maybe three generations. We remember they have impact on us and then we don't remember. We don't know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and then now let's think about our kids and their kids and their kids and how quickly we're forgotten. Mm -hmm. And yet the earth remains god's church remains they're all the god's word remains the scriptures remain all these things remain and i think it's interesting how he holds all of human life up to the light and says what's what what's gonna stick here and we watch him as he goes i mean as he talks i mean look at i mean i don't i don't even know where to go and this by the way this is just the introduction right uh, this isn't even, uh, this isn't even Koholet himself talking in the first person. Um, he, he, he says in chapter two, verse one, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this was also Hevel. I, it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how he turns from thing to thing to thing, looking for purpose, looking for meaning looking for direction. And in all these earthly things, they come up hevel. They come up like a paradox or temporary or fleeting or hard to grasp or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I, I think about my, my, uh, my childhood and how I was so excited to get a new toy. Right. And, and I had a new toy and I had this rush of pleasure when I had a new toy. But that pleasure itself, the more you try to grab onto it, the more it's fleeting, the more it fades away and the new toy loses its luster. And I don't have the same joy picking up the new toy that I did the first time I did it. Mm-hmm. And so then I actually look for the next new toy that's going to give me that feeling because what I'm actually after is the feeling and not the thing itself. Mm. Yeah, I hear you <clears throat> reflecting I think of many of them, but just a couple of them kind of comparing and contrasting these two lenses, the lens of 
Proverbs and the lens of Ecclesiastes, which are both lenses of wisdom. But here's one idea. It seems as though in some ways the lens of Proverbs is the lens of all things being equal. This is how it is. Or in an ideal world, this is the way that it is. Or even pre-fall in the intentions of God, this is the way it's supposed to work out. Mm. And then by contrast, Ecclesiastes is, well, things are not all equal, therefore. Or perhaps it's a post-fall lens that says, though the intentions were good and cause and effect should naturally always produce the same result, by observing life, it's actually not true because mm. of the existence of chaos and sin and brokenness. So yeah. those are two ways to look at these two different lenses of the same reality we call wisdom. Yeah. And I think Proverbs does a lot to talk about how the way of the wicked will not prosper and how the way of the fool will be blessed or the way of the wise men will be blessed and the way of the fool, you know, the fool. And even Psalms jumps in. It's like the, you know, the sinners are the way of sinners is like chaff. It's just blown away in the wind. You know, it does not last. Mm -hmm. But then you get to uh, Ecclesiastes and they go sometimes. Right. 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 Uh, yeah, it, it, it works out that way sometimes, but the rich, I mean, the rich aren't necessarily happy any more than the poor seem to be happy. It seems like everyone's at all these different stages of life, but, and actually, um, if you look at chapter one, the main focus of chapter one, as far as like a thought that's being considered is that of time. So hmm. if you look at chapter one, um, it's, you know, he says the sun rises, the sun goes down, the wind blows, it goes around and around, uh, generation comes, generation goes, right? And it's, and it's, it's just talking about the passing of time, um, or, or verse 10. Is there a thing of which it was said, see, this is new? It has already been in the ages before us. You know, there's, it's, it's all this, it's all this pondering of time and how time speaks into Hevel, how time speaks into vanity or meaningless or, the, the enigma, the paradox that is Hevel. And then if you jump ahead all the way to chapter 12 um, and, and you look uh, at chapter 12, it, it starts talking about how death is the great equalizer. Um, so look at, um, uh, I guess this would be verse like five or halfway through five. Um, <clears throat> uh, the... Uh, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern. The dust returns to the earth as well and the spirit returns to God who gave of it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. It is all vanity. Um, and, and maybe even before that, uh, Oh yeah. It talks about the youth. Uh, verse nine, rejoice. O young man in your youth and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Um, it's, it's just interesting how at the beginning of the book, the whole thing is about the passing of time. Um, and then you get, you get to the end, uh, and it talks about, uh, how the strong men are bent in verse three of chapter 12. Um, and, and it's just like all these things are the daughters of song are brought low in verse four, like all these things where you, the, you have your identity wrapped up in all this stuff. And then you find out it too, in the end, 
is a vapor. You're trying to grab onto it and you're trying to find meaning and purpose in it. And it just, you just find that it just doesn't, you're not going to be able to find it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rick, what are some things in your life that you have grasped or tried to find meaning in that have turned up hevel? Uh, this to me is kind of a reflection of what you said earlier about when you get a new toy, it seems amazing and wonderful. And then it doesn't take very much time before it's not, and you need something new. And so we've lived in the same house for 32 years now. And in my garage, there's an accumulation of things that at the time seemed necessary for life are generally, we don't purchase things that are empty purchases. They always have a purpose. They're always necessary seemingly. And yet I can go through that garage now and wonder why we bought some things. I don't throw them away because I know at one point they had a good purpose and maybe somehow the purpose will come back. But right now I forget I have it. It's been out there for a long time. Even there's a section in my garage where things that belong to our very young church sit. And uh, we've always tried to purchase things that we knew were necessary and probably would need for a long time. And yet I have an accumulation of things in there that I wonder if we'll ever use again. And so it makes me wonder, how do I have the eyes that are looking back to say that was unnecessary to look forward to say what is actually necessary moving forward? So I begin to question the eyes I had from the beginning. And it seems as though, again, these two lenses, the, the book of Proverbs is spoken to a young son or perhaps a young daughter at the beginning of adult life. And the book of Ecclesiastes is a reflection looking back on an adult life. And mm. they're saying quite, like you said, paradoxical. That's such a good word. Paradoxical things. In the beginning, it's try hard, work hard, don't be a slugger, be diligent, rise early in the morning, work hard. And these seems to be virtuous uh, suggestions. And we say, yes, do it. And then at the end of life, looking back saying, no, no, and no. So interesting. And yet somehow, these books support the same truth, which is fascinating. And I'm sure that's exactly where we're going next here. Yeah. And um, I think we're going to be running out of time here um, for today, but I do want to say um, before, before we end the question that immediately arises in me is how are you supposed to live life in the midst of Hevel? How, like, wh- what are we supposed to do when, I'm trying to find pleasure and I, and I can for a little bit, but then it goes away. I'm trying to find peace and I have peace for a time, but then chaos comes. I'm trying to find happiness and I have happiness, but then sadness comes or even depression comes. And how do I find meaning? How do I live life in the midst of Hevel? And I think if there is an answer, and I think we'll dive into this answer much more deeply next week, but I think if Ecclesiastes has an answer is that it's accept that all of life is out of your control. Hmm. It's, it's just, it's out of your control. You can think you're in control, but, but you're not. You can have, I have a very dear friend who is a pastor in Oregon and uh, his wife just left him. Just, just walked away. Didn't know divorce papers. No, I'm cheating on you no conversation, just gone. And 
what what do you do? I mean, this guy is the sweetest guy. He's such a kind husband and good father. And his wife is just gone. You go, man, I did not wake up today thinking that was going to happen. Nobody thought that was going to happen. And it happens. Or let's let's take human the human realm out of it totally. What if you're walking along and you're struck by lightning or a tornado rips up your house? The, the, the house that you've put years of your life, putting money and effort and work into, and it's gone. And I think, I think that the response is accept that life is out of your control and receive the gifts of God in, in your everyday walk. James says every good and perfect gift comes from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights. And in the midst of all this hevel, all this paradox, all this vapor are all these incredible moments of gifts of life of sitting down with a friend. I've got a friend coming over tonight and we're going to sit on my front porch and we're going to enjoy a glass of bourbon. And the conversation is going to meander hither and thither and fro and beyond uh, i think there's an idiom an american idiom in there that i'm trying to you remember so close hither thither and yon hither thither and yon there we go <laughs> uh it's just gonna it's gonna meander and it's gonna be delightful and i'm gonna receive that as a gift and say lord thank you for this moment thank you for this time and i think what it actually does is it breeds in us gratitude um and uh, you, Rick, you know, I'm a massive uh, Brene Brown fan. And uh, if you don't know who Brene Brown is, listeners, she's this social researcher uh, who does qualitative research and just interviews like thousands of people just about their life and what they believe and what they think and what they feel, and then goes to the data and starts looking for themes in the data to see what she can pull out. And they pulled all the people that describe themselves as joyful people. And they tried to find a common thread in them. And it wasn't socioeconomic status. It wasn't gender. It wasn't race. It wasn't any of that. It was people that had a practice of gratitude in their life. And I think that's what Ecclesiastes does for me and my heart is it's an acceptance that I can't control life, that life is not always going to go my way, but there are these gifts of God that are gifts around the world, a good meal, a beautiful day, a close friend, maybe a child or a spouse. These pleasures that are so deep and meaningful that are so much more meaningful than anything I can purchase by working a second job or working three jobs or, you know what I mean? It's just find so much beauty and value in these really simple, beautiful gifts of God. And that that's where Ecclesiastes sends me. Daniel, it makes sense just to read the last two verses then of the entire book, just to say yes to everything you just said. Please do. <laughs> now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or it is evil. Mm, so good. Yeah. And that's what you were saying earlier about how Ecclesiastes and Proverbs both end at the same place in the fear of the Lord and walking mm -hmm. in wisdom.
Mm-hmm. It's so good. And the funny thing is that is uh, the, the author's conclusion um, from the book. So mm-hmm. if you want to hear what Koholet's conclusion of his whole travels are, you'll have to tune in next week. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a good day.